0: sending you love wherever you are morning. in the world. Good morning. From Bricktown. Dad, Good morning. How you doing?
1: Good morning. I don't know, we've got a, a couple monumental things going on in our country, which I think are going to... Uh, this new law that was just passed last week will affect a lot of lower and middle income people more than people realize. It's it's one that, a far-reaching one that gives you know cash payments to, to the little guy. Republicans, of course, hated it because it's given to the little guy and not the plut- not the plutocrats. But uh, I think it was a far-reaching uh, law, and I'm glad it got passed. And my suspicion is that the filibuster is going to be dead. They, they, they may make it a speaking filibuster, but it's going to be modified so they can, they're going to be able to get the H.R. 1 through. If the Democrats don't pass H.R. 1, they're finished as a party. Literally. They're
0: finished as a party.
1: Yes. Because what the Republicans have done throughout the country is they've passed a lot of voter suppression laws so that Democrats won't have any voters. Or we'll make it very hard for Democrats and put the minority people and low-income people to vote. But they've they passed these voter suppression laws everywhere. It's so bad in, in the, uh, Georgia that the big manufacturers like Coca-Cola and some of the other ones have, have decried because it was so bad. You're going to stop people from going souls to the polls on a Sunday? I don't want I mean, you're going to pass things, you can't give anybody food, that's online even though you made the lines, you know, forever and ever long. I mean, it's just, you know, nonsense. And they're very blatant about it, but I think they're blatant about it because they knew it couldn't pass. But H.R. 1 is going to pass. They'd have to get a filibuster, make, make it a working filibuster, which those old guys in the Senate can't do. People don't realize that once you start a filibuster under the old rules, you're going to keep on talking. Okay, if you read the newspaper, you have to talk for as long as you can talk. And after you finish talking, the filibuster ended, and then he can vote on it. So it's not what they have now, which is gentlemen's courtesy filibuster, but they're going to go to an actual working filibuster. And those Republicans are all very, very old. And all of them, are as old as I am, are older. The fact is, I think the, the Senate's about to go through a rejuvenation process.
0: I, I, think, I think you can handle can't. a filibuster that Not really. Just put a diaper on. It
1: goes, it goes, it goes, it goes, it's more than a nice, diaper. You got to keep on talking. Read the newspaper, whatever you're going to do. You have to do I, it. I it don't know. On this show,
0: it sounds like you, you can, can
1: go. I can, I can go, but I can't go past this half an hour. <laughs> Versus, you know, filibuster, you're looking at 30 hours at least. And, and these guys, you know, you only get, a, you know, I don't think you can get breath from breaks. Wow. So, I mean, if they go back into a hard filibuster, which I think is what Joe Manchin is going to finally say, and that's it's over with. Is it, if, Joe has, if Joe is really a Democrat, he cannot afford to let HRC not be, be, be HR1- to not be voted on because it's a death of the Democratic Party. And, and if they had not had those two guys in Georgia winning, you know, Warnock and the other guy, the bottom line of this is they, this would never happened. But, but Mitch has done so, so, so badly and he's been such a bad leader that this is, you know, the Democrats were forced to do it. He wouldn't let anything the Democrats put through last time get get to a vote. He just would bottle up on his desk and leave it there. Now he has no choice. But but Mitch has has been uh, not good at all. But he's a candy guy. Uh, It'll be interesting as we go through this. My suspicion is he loses the filibuster, he'll probably. Side. His time in the Senate needs to be needs to go away a little bit, but of course his, his wife may be indicted if someone says she as Transportation Secretary because she definitely you know broke some laws. She definitely broke some laws and they're going to catch her on it. But uh, and Mitch his management on the Senate assembly and asked my like $40 million. Sure, she was rich anyway, but he managed to, 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 to you know, always get stuff going to him and people give him money.
0: but well, hasn't so much of our politics
1: become, I gotcha? Cause is that what it really is? Or, or is I'm going to get power and keep it? Because remember, before Mitch got there, it was kind of a collegial place. Centered. The speaker under to Tom Daschle and some of the other guys it really wasn't bad. The acrimony you see now wasn't always the case. Mitch did that. I think because knowing his personality, I don't think anybody ever liked him. And, and he made sure that everything that came to him stayed with him. The Democrats would pass a bill in the House he threw it in the trash can. And uh, that's Not what it's supposed to be. It's supposed to come up for a vote, or at least a discussion. They didn't even have to filibuster because he never let it get to the floor. Now the tables have turned, and if Democrats don't pass H.R. 1, they're finished. I mean, is that important? Because there's now, I think, 20 states that have passed new voter suppression laws. Republicans can't win when people have to vote for them. They can't win, and the Senate basically is most most of its uh, constituents that elected those guys are all from very rural areas. Remember, Los Angeles is probably bigger than 15 states. And that's just a city in California. So I mean, this this is a time where it's going to change, and Mission the Gang will have to go. I think if he loses the filibuster, he probably won't quit no more time. Because it's not good to be in a minority in a Senate where you're not in control, control of it. Plus, I think without the filibuster, the, the Democrats will be able to control the Senate still another time and will be able to, to keep the Senate and keep the House. If they don't if they let, let the Republicans depress the votes, they're finished. They won't keep the House or the Senate. So my, my thought process is, Joe Manchin will, will, will do the deed and says, have a talking filibuster at least. And when, when the president said basically, I'd rather uh, do the old filibuster at least. It means it'll probably be more than that. And these old guys that you got in the Senate can't filibuster. Some of a young might like Rand Paul or the, you know, Ted guy from Texas the vast majority of them can't filibuster
0: Cancun Ted
1: Yeah, Ted, Cancun Ted I think he's going to lose his seat anyway next time depending upon you know, his chance depends upon whether a walk runs for seat or one the congressional people do. but I think Texas is about to turn blue and they, they, they've really mismanaged and cheated all the people what they did with the, the, the electrical bills and stuff this year was unconscionable. The main electric company in Texas is father bankruptcy last week. And uh, basically they, gonna, the, the Texas house has to make sure all those bills go to zero. You're going to get people $16,000 bills for five days of electricity. Come on. People can't afford it and, and but you mismanaged the electrical system because you wanted it cheap. Plus, they'll be gonna go, gonna part of the they're going to probably end being part of the compact with all the other ones. But it, it, all of the uh, electrical companies are in three compacts, except for Texas. Part of El Paso is part of the California compact, but none of the other ones are. So when they, when they go out, nobody's there to help them. If you go out in New York or you know, where you are, to somebody to help you. Carolina line's part of the compact. So they'll still bring other, you know, get electricity into Durham or wherever. So we don't worry about that, but you know, when, when, when these lines go down, you'll see a hundred trucks come in, electrical trucks, from all over the country to get your less electricity back up, because it's part of the compact. Texas wanted to do it on their own because they figured they can steal enough money to do that. The big ways. But if the Democrats get control of, of either house, and I think they'll get control of at least one of them, it's Republicans was, are finished.
0: I was thinking about recently, Dad, was when you used to take me to Bear Island as a kid and all the black history attached to that experience.
1: Yes. Well, I, I'm glad I was able to do that, and, I guess the key thing is, I made a lot a, a conscious effort for all those kids that went 4-H to know a lot about their black history and leading by example, among other things. But also making sure we had black kids who went on that trip. Before, before I was a 4-H person there, uh, we had very few black kids who ever went. So I made sure that we either got raised money for, got scholarships for, but we had at least all of them, at least a third, if not two-thirds were black kids. I look at the picture side I still have a view uh, with Patrick when we went to Bear Island that year. And uh, and those kids and you, I'm sure, still remember it. And that's what a good 4-H person would do. And the years I spent as a 4-H agent were among my best best years. You know, when I compare that to what I was doing before that, being a mayor of a city some other things, and later on, being a college professor, it was a very different time. I got back to my roots and got back talking to the common guy. It wasn't the mayor or anything else. But my 4-H time was a good time. You got to go. You know, Bobby got to go. And later on, when I went to the Alabama system, I made sure that Heather and Tommy and Chris all went to Citizenship Washington Post. Quick question.
0: Were there segregated beaches when you were growing up? No.
1: Not that I ever was aware of. I grew up in New York City, and what happened up there is there were beaches like Reese Reese Beach, Reese, Reese Park had certain beaches that only black people went to, but it wasn't segregated. But if you went to one that wasn't, you kind of knew it. But nobody would kick you out of the beach. But, uh, when, uh, Robert Moses did the highways, he did them in such a way that there were certain ones that came from Harlem, like the subways and stuff, and highways, that led you to the black beaches, not to a white beach. He did a number of things, Robert Moses, to, uh, Segregate the highway, so he built all the highway systems, all all of the uh, bridges. Robert Moses did all of that, all the park system. You know, one of my neighbors, when, I, when we lived in uh, St. Albans, one of our neighbors worked for Robert Moses. She was a secretary, black secretary. And what, when I wanted a job, because I was my freshman in college, she said, "You need to go to this place, and you need to pay it up before it, it lifts." Because if you get there, and you're the first one there, you can pick whatever park you want to go to. And I wanted to be to play basketball, and wanted to be in Montebello Park. I had a couple basketball teams, basketball teams. So I got there, put my name first. and That's what I got. And I was, I was, a, you know, a recreation associate essentially. And uh, it was, you know, it was a pretty good gig. We had, we, we had the citywide tournament out there for all the basketball players and I was coaching three teams and playing on one of the unlimited teams but basketball was uh, you know I've had some good memories of that but I, I remember I put together a super team once and there was another super team there. dream team
0: put a dream team
1: here. yeah Mike Yeah, I had uh, uh, Super John Williamson's younger brother Jiggy Williamson Soup Campbell, who's about six foot eight, and they both got out of out of, Hartford, uh, out of New Haven schools, and went on went on to Massachusetts to go to college. But both of them, if I would bring, I was living in New Haven at that time, and I would bring one of them down and come back that that night, because I didn't have any place for them to stay. So, but I, every once in a while, I'd bring both of them and then come back. But I only let, let both of them play together like once or twice when we're playing with somebody really good. Uh, it was a super team then. been got again and again. The guy was paying for people for it, and uh, we got we took him to overtime and lost. One of the guys that people had said I shouldn't play that guy very much, but I liked the guy. I played him, but he walked when he was supposed to walk, and that was possession we never got back, and we ended up losing by just a very few points. But it was a uh,
0: so it was a bad coach, huh? Now I like it was bad
1: coaching. It was bad coaching. I shouldn't have put him in the game at that time. I should, should have left some Jiggy in there, and he was all, he was high school all American, and uh, his brother, his older brother, was uh, Super John Williams, was an NBA player. He was one of the most dominant people I've ever saw play basketball. That must be
0: an impactful call if you can remember it 60, oh. 50 years later.
1: Yes. That was the team I had assembled to take it to take it to the to city championship, and they were good enough to do that. Remember, this was during the time when uh, two, or three of the guys on a Texas Western team I played against. You know, I played against them that summer before they went from Texas Western to win their national championship. It was all well, five black guys, and all those guys played for either the Bronx or. Manhattan teams, but they all would come through to citywide and play us. And we'd beat some of them. But I, uh, I remember Willie Worthley, I remember guarding him. And uh, Willie Cager, guarding him also. But these guys were, you know, they were good players, no question about it. I kind of held my own, but, you know, they were, they were better than we were. And, uh, you know, as you go through it, you know, we had another team later on. Rockaway bunch of guys uh, basically one or two of them actually went to UNC Wilmington and won the national championship at college uh, but they played with us and played for the collegians, and uh, we actually you know made it to the semifinals in the Queens but when you guys are that kind of kind the referees are kind of fixed and you're playing somewhere else and the crowd is not your crowd and, some of these places, if you won, the, or if you won the game, you might not get home. And when you, when you went to citywide and you, in some of the Bronx and Brooklyn and Manhattan projects, and the playgrounds right in the middle of that, uh, you were intimidated by the crowd. So you never played as well as that. I mean, we we bring kids down to the Rucker, and we never would win there. Because I remember Hulk, Hulk Rook Rucker, he's a nice guy, he's a park parker, attended at the Rucker place they had a citywide tournament and the Olympics would come and it was all pros and I had three or four guys over time that, that went to the pros and uh, it's an interesting time as you go through and look, and look back on all that stuff that I was one of our more interesting forays when I was into, into basketball among other things and it got me through college and, and it got me to where I needed to go and It was it was a good thing
0: so you was rocking the record.
1: Yeah, but, uh, you know, the other thing was, I helped, I helped a lot of kids get on to college. I remember when Al McGuire, who was a legendary coach, called me and asked him about two or three of our players we had that summer, and because he wanted to bring them up to him to in. And I remember another, another guy who, was at that time, owned the Cleveland Cavaliers, called me up, because he was looking for one of our guys who had went back somewhere to junior college ranks all those guys would call me because I, I had a lot of the, the, the big time players and when we played with, with our limited, you know crew that we had which were really pros
0: but uh, what's your thoughts on uh, LeBron and where the game is going now what what are your thoughts on LeBron and the NBA game now
1: well I think it's to me it's kind of a boring game uh, Le- Le- LeBron is a natural evolution of uh, an ideal basketball player, as is, as is the Williamson kid, who has surprised me. He's much better than I thought he'd be. Because he, he had thought he would be, he basically is around the rim. But he jumps so high that, you know, it's, it's understandable why he got the way it is. And the pro game now is so different than the pro game. I was growing up. It's so much different. And I played against a lot of the pros. They would, they were different. It was different. the league was a different thing, It was a much rougher game. I mean, and to be in a pro pros, I mean, you expect to get beat up. You had, you had to have a physical stat stature to be able to survive that. Because basically, you, you can get smacked every time you're going down court. And the referees, you know, they don't care about that. They, they I remember playing a couple of semi-pro leagues. And it's not basketball, it's something else. It's more like football. I, I remember there was, a, there was a, a guy who was, years ago, when Scouts was talking about it, they, they couldn't find a good tight end. And he went to NBA basketball game and said, here they are, right here. They're all with tight ends. And most most of your forwards are, could play tight ends. I think LeBron talked about how he could play tight end because that's what he played in
0: high school. And he's right. So you saying somebody smacked you in the face there. Oh,
1: yeah. We were playing in his court with his crowd. I didn't do anything. What am I supposed to do? Oh, hold on, hold on.
0: That's just how it was.
1: Oh, yeah. You know, playing in, in the Unlimited the city-wise is very different than playing for one of the pro teams or semi-pro teams those were much more physical and you might as well be playing playing football with no, with no pads it's like my, my adventures at the 40 projects which I talked about earlier that I must have, must have coached 10 games there over a number of years I never won a game One one of the reasons why is I I was not aware of at that time the difference in court sizes. And most people aren't. But the college college court and the pro court is 94 feet. As you go down from high school, you lose about 12 feet each one. So if you aren't used to playing on a 94-foot court, those guys guys who played at, at the 40 projects, they were used to going up and down that court. We never beat them. Any leagues we ever played in, we played in a lot of different leagues, but the collegiate never beat them. We beat almost everybody else, but not them. But not, now that's that gym is now a college gym, and I think it's Mega Evans College. That's all right. Yeah. But you know, one, one of the things that you get, you go through it. New York City is so different than when I was there. I watch what it does from television now, and I watched the last time I've been up there. The only thing I really kind of miss about New York is the food. New York had the best food I've ever, ever, ever had. And the variety of restaurants was such that you could eat a different thing every day of the year, and, and not, not go back to one ever again. I mean, the, soup, the food thing was just excellent but as I look now at some of the food I used to eat I say, man I don't know, how, how do I eat that I still when I, when I go to a pizza plaza I tell them to give me some anchovies and people sitting around look at me like I'm crazy
0: that's a New York thing
1: oh yeah anchovy pizza no question and I come and buy a whole pizza and eat the whole thing I've seen you do it and, and when I uh, hear here uh, my boyfriend's back by, by those girls that's where they were playing on the jukebox when I ate that anchovy pizza <laughs> I never I never forget it when I, I hear my boyfriend's back uh, that me, I said I'm oh, anchovy pizza and uh, the Italians really could cook, 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 cook pizza i tell you that and it was something I enjoyed to this day In fact, I've thought about it so much, I think I'm going to go to the Panera store on Friday. I think I'm going to pick me up on a, a, a pizza from the... There's two Italian pizzerias. I think I'm going to pick up a pizza. My wife is looking at me like I'm crazy.
0: Yeah, go ahead, get you an anchovy
1: pizza. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I can't eat a whole one now. I'm going to buy about three slices.
0: Now I remember you used to take the slice of piece of anchovy, fold it in half, and turn it into a calzone. Yeah. And Bobby and I were so hungry, we wanted pizza so bad, but we didn't want to eat no anchovies. In <laughs> fact, <laughs> back, back your honest here telling me. That, that I, I
1: won't this one. Anchovy pizza, that you would eat. <laughs> so she's talking about it now, but I gave her some anchovy pizza. And it's those things that you remember back. The food experience in New York is unlike any other one. And my wife is talking about eating lutefisk, which is uh, cod soaked in lye. Risk is, it's, an, it's a Minnesota dish that they only eat around Christmas time. And you have to have uh, a lot of fortitude, food and fortitude, to eat it. But that's a Scandinavian dish. By the way, the whites that eat it, the new sweets don't eat it anymore. But I know they. <laughs> i remember eating some of that up there one yeah one yeah, time. yeah but but they 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 import it from sweden every year it's, not, it's never done in this country it's done over there but it's, it's really it's because soaking lot because remember they, they use a preservative and why i would think that was a preservative so it wouldn't rot and you have to you know do a number of washings of water you soak in water for like three four days three, four weeks. i'm sorry three four weeks and uh I could never like it for much, but
0: My
1: but, but if, you, if you if you ask me about the game, that's basketball, now in the pros, it's, it's a much tamer game than it was when I was growing up. It's not because there's so much more money now than it was then. That you, you'd have a guy like jumping Jackie Jackson, who played for the Knicks. I don't think he ever made over about fifty, fifteen thousand dollars a year. Versus these guys are making millions now. Every one of them, from first to last. So it's the whole, the whole venture of that is you've got to protect the other guy. You don't want to, you, want to, you don't want to hit him so hard he can't play again. So it's, these guys don't get hurt anywhere near as much as they used to. And. Uh, it probably began to change when Bill Bradley went to the Knicks just before he became a senator. And, you know, he was All-American at Princeton took him to the Final Four. And they, uh, the league just said, we, we can't beat up on him. And they say that, by the way, about a lot of players, freshmen now. You really can't beat up on him. And you really can't beat up on LeBron because... Use their meal ticket if LeBron gets hurt. And remember, when you're actually out there with these guys, these guys are so huge that if they really want to hit you and break something, all of them could do it to each other one. You know, and playing in some of those semi-pro leagues, and with some of the guys that went to the pros, it's a whole different breed of game you play and a whole different animal not the same game that I played all the way through the Unlimited or when I played in college but uh,
0: closing out you wanted to talk about COVID-19 and the, the vaccine what's your thoughts on that?
1: well I think Joe Biden's doing, doing the right thing to, to, to get uh, the people inside Now everybody can get the test Versus if all could have been there he'd still be rationing that stuff and uh, he made sure everybody's gotten a test and everybody will have one by May 1st uh, to my audience if you don't, don't, don't remember I got mine about a month ago uh,
0: and yeah, I, I just got mine last week
1: good I'm glad to hear that what about the little girl
0: have them available for kids that
1: is that I think they're beginning to have them available but they, they don't suffer as much as, as adults do anyway but uh, no it's I think that the, the godsend is he, that he's done is they forced the republicans to go along with them for this big vote this big big money thing things that they should have done 20 years ago looked at those things that they have and the, the wish list they put together some of those stuff I remember when I used to walk through the halls of Congress begging for money for Carver and it was, those were just fanciful fan and the fact that you said they sent money to everybody and that, that's a citizen God uh, I, however they haven't sent one to me because I think I got a letter from the IRS that I, I needed my that 1990, we do, send them my 1990 tax thing. And I said, well, I, you guys have gave me, what's the name back on that? Not 1990, but, yeah, 1999, uh, 2019, I'm sorry, the wife is getting correct to correct me, but they had given me a refund on it, <laughs> but they said they never got it. So I'm sending them another duplicate. Too. That's why it's holding mine up. But we'll get it eventually. I'm not worried about it. And financially, it won't affect one way or the other. But I'm glad that a lot of poor people, a lot of fabulous people, privileged people got paid. Sister Beverly, did you get paid? Oh. She said, of course she did. See. Yeah. No,
0: it, it definitely feels like the playing field being a little level. That's a good thing.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a it's, it's godsend. It, it lifts a lot of people, lifts a lot of boats that were beached.
0: And that's a good now, thing. Now, what about this farming thing that's being described as reparations? What are your thoughts on that?
1: I think we'll get reparations in a, in a very indirect way. I think we'll get them. This generation. Your generation and your daughter's generation will get them. But you'll get them through other means, like free college.
0: Being in 4-H, what's your knowledge of of black farmers?
1: Well, I knew a lot of them. I I remember when I I was uh, going, going through the thing about reparations for the farmers. I was on a couple doctoral committees with some of those guys. Who did him on the black farmer? And so I, I, I'm intimate, I was intimately at that time familiar with him. And the bottom line of that is that didn't quite finish it off because the guy from Mississippi, who was the agriculture secretary, you know, he, he got fired because he, he couldn't, he, he had to do a little bit of graft, stupid stuff. But the, but the bottom line of that is, if he had stayed there with the people he had put in there, a lot of them would have got the correct reparations. I think Biden's going to make sure that happens now. Um, the lady who was there under this last, under Vilsack, for the last time, who he fired, she was going to make sure that was going to happen. So when Vilsack got back, he wanted to rehire them then, because he fired her because some, some, somebody told him. And they said, no, but you need to do this black farmer stuff. And that's what they're going to do. He's very familiar with it. Uh, but I was on I was a couple of black farmer projects and stuff. And, um, and you know, given that, you know, as, as I went through that and you know, looking at it, the things that happened to a lot of black farmers is if they had a, a need for a pond, they didn't get it next-door neighbor who was white guy got, got a pond because so he could have uh, and pictures and, and if he needed needed some money from the federal government to buy livestock he didn't get it he had money for seed so the discrimination of uh, the the ag, the ag section was just you know awful and until very recently you had very few black ag agents in, uh, most of them were actually in in the 1890 schools, historically black colleges, because all of them had 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 section. So, so. But Rudy, it looks like my clock says it looks like we're about
0: finished. We we are about to wrap up. What are your words of advice to
1: America? Get vaccinated. Think good of your neighbor. Hope you hopefully you got paid. Adios, muchachos. All right, I love you, Dad. Okay, love you too. Bye.